0: Rebel Goddess Reclamation was born out of the desire to celebrate the sacred feminine. You can look forward to goddess myth and storytelling from all cultures, interviews with inspiring rebel women, and learning about nature-based sabbats and any other goddess-loving, sexy content that floats the boats of your two founding sisters. We know that in recognizing the radiance in others that we are recognizing the radiance in ourself.
1: As rebel women, we empower ourselves and others without apology or harm, aware and in awe of our united potential. We welcome both the delicious light and exquisite shadow, knowing that this paradox is the source of sacred power. With the wisdom of our ancestors and the hope of all future descendants, we release that which does not serve and manifest that which does. We lean into the unknown with grace, Making our own rules and then breaking them. I am your dark sister, Sam.
0: I am your red sister, Sarah. And, and we are, are rebel, rebel women, women with
1: teacups. If you're here for just the goddess story and want to skip the tea review, we'll see you at 19 and a half minutes in. Hello. Hi, love. <laughs> How are you? I'm. I'm good. We um okay so hot off the press we've got this Tazo tea that we're reviewing. Yes. We thought that it would be um interesting cuz we keep doing all of these fancy um, yeah, these like what, like boutique blends yeah. that I that are definitely more expensive and then harder to get. So to increase um, inclusivity instead of exclusivity, we're just going to review not we're just we are going to review something that came from I think it was Target, maybe it was um, Kroger the grocery store, but it's Tazo brand mm-hmm. and um, it's called Juniper Mint Honey. Yeah, I'm excited about it. What does it smell like to you? Cause you've you've brewed it already, yeah. right? I brewed mine too. It's not as fun to discuss
0: what it looks like dry because it's in a tea bag. Right. But I don't want to say that it's fruity, but there's a softness to it. Mhm.
1: Yeah. Um it's inspired by the Rocky Mountains. Oh. I like how you said that. <laughs> I'm reading the box. <laughs> Renew with a smooth blend of bright juniper berries, mint and notes of honey. Um, i'm gonna keep going because this is interesting and funny take a bite out of the rockies or better yet drink them in bursting with bright piney juniper berries a rush of refreshing mint and a subtle sweet hint of honey this blend bottles the wild spirit of the untamed forest in the snow-capped rockies
0: (laughs) (laughs) now you said that that might be boring i didn't think it was boring I no well, I hadn't read the box before. I just thought it was
1: nonsense. But wait, then they put a warning: warning, this blend may attract wild bears.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny.
1: Yeah, the, they have a sense of humor. I like that very much. Yeah. yeah. Okay, <clears throat> so then what's inside is juniper berries, peppermint leaves, spearmint leaves, natural flavors, and soy lecithin.
0: So I could definitely smell a mint when i was um putting the tea bag up to my nose
1: mhm yeah wait let me get my tea bag out of my tea right okay. now Cause mine's been brewing yeah it does smell surprisingly fruity though having not listed any actual fruits in the proprietary blend yeah. of natural flavors you would think that it would smell less fruity but it does it has that piney juniper smell for sure yeah it does and I, um, so I love burning juniper. It's one of my most favorite things to burn. To me, it smells like um, my grandparents' camper that we mm-hmm. went and like to Yellowstone in the eighties. In it, like I don't know, it just smells like not old vinyl, but that's what I think of when I think about being inside the camper, just like brown everywhere, yes. everywhere it was brown. Um, but burning juniper smells like like campfires in the camper to me. And I remember um, we were in discussion with uh, Melissa one time, the owner of a studio that we both teach at, and we were burning juniper, and she was like, ugh, ugh, please don't burn juniper. I hate juniper. <laughs> she said that it smelled like cat piss to her. <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. you know, funny. To each their own. Yeah. yeah. But the berries obviously smell different. Maybe that's why it smells fruity, because of the berries. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Juniper berries.
0: Because mm-hmm, I was thinking uh, there's no way that they use the sprigs. In this, oh hey, you're using the teacup I gave you. I am. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Which teacup do you have today? Um. What? So because I'm so weird, I like the loose leaf. I like drinking in the the teacups that like are little dainty, beautiful teacups. But when it comes to ones that are in bags like this, I like mugs. <laughs> So today I am drinking from my daughter's um mug she got for her birthday from a friend. And her, both of our, and her, mine and her birthday are in October. So Halloween's like our favorite. And mm. it's um a little spooky mug. So it says spooky and it's got a bat and it's got stars and the moon. And it says, and it's not spooky, it's spooky. <laughs> so it's a big black mug. Nice. So uh, I saw you. You took a drink. I did. I know. I I have to work on my self discipline. Um, No, that's okay. I took a drink when you were talking about it and realized it, and I was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna set this down." As soon as you called me
1: on the cup, I was like, "Shit, put it down." He's like, "We didn't say grace yet. (laughs) Pretend it didn't happen." Um. Okay. So tasting it, um, it does. I've. It does taste. Uh, a little bit sweet and fruity and it does have um the the needly piney um
0: sort of like like green forest kind like winter forest taste to it yeah 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 i'm definitely tasting for me my palate is definitely tasting more of the fruity part of it um but i think i've said this in a previous um podcast but i absolutely love mint like mint is i love it um So I'm pretty sure – I mean, I can definitely taste that, but it's definitely more of the fruity notes Mm -hmm. that I've got. It's not bad at all. Um, Wouldn't say I wouldn't drink it again. Yeah. For me, the
1: mint is like almost non-existent. It's almost uh-huh. like an aftertaste, but not even a taste. It's like an after feel the way that mint like cools your mouth. Like I can feel it more. I can, I'm more aware of the mint as the air moves in and out of my mouth and less the actual taste on my tongue. If that Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I was almost going to say if that makes sense, but then I saw this <laughs> this Instagram, you know, like TikTok video, and it was a feminist woman, and it was like, every time I think of how many times I finish the sentence with, if that makes sense, and it was like her cringing like a whole bunch of times, I'm like, fuck, I always, not always, but I very often finish my sentences with, if that makes sense, so then I thought of that, and then I tried to keep it in, and then you were like, yep, that makes sense, and so you must have like <laughs> heard it, even though I intentionally kept it behind my lips. <laughs>
0: Yes, I did hear it. Uh, that's funny. I like that. Uh, that makes sense. It does make sense. How many times we ha- we like stop our like grand thoughts with? Does that make sense? Am I coming off as too too loud and too much taking up space and too many things? Right. I like that. Yeah. It's just like um the idea that stop apologizing and start saying thank you. So instead of saying, I'm so sorry I'm late, you say, thank you so much for being patient. Right. And that changes the the narrative and um the feel. Because somebody could be totally pissed that you're late, but when you thank them for being patient, it changes – it could change how they feel to where it's not such a negative situation. And also one of my other favorite things that I love to do <laughs> is – Now, if I'm not walking down the street, like, if I'm not the first one on the street, like, if I turn the corner, I'll move for somebody. But if I'm clearly on the street before you, I'm not moving. You're moving. Especially if it's a dude. And I just, I don't know why that is. But, like, I'm not moving. You're moving. I will walk the fuck into you before I move. (laughs) That's amazing. But like, I mean, like, if you're holding something and you're like, you know, obviously, whatever, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm totally gonna move. But if I'm on the street before you and you think that you're gonna make me move nah, bitch, it ain't. Today is not the day.
1: I wish I had more of that in me because if I see someone coming, in, I'm like, oh, 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 excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I used to be that way. And it's not like I can't be that way or I won't be that way. But it's like there are some things where when I read that a few years ago and I was like somebody said that they were doing it as an experiment to see. And it was specifically geared towards a woman walking and a man, kind of like, you know, a man and a woman crossing paths and how often the man will hold his ground and not move for a woman. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try it. And it's fucking true. And I will walk into you before I move if I feel the need to.
1: Has that ever happened? Have you ever bumped into someone? Because they Almost, almost.
0: And then they move at the last minute. Like, so it's like this little, I don't want to call it a power play, even though it may be that, but it's like a confidence booster where it's like, you also need to show me respect as well. And if I was walking down the sidewalk before you, there's no reason why you can't move.
1: Right. Did you ever play chicken on the monkey bars when you were little?
0: Oh, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. I can't remember, though. Mm. Oh, gosh, I love the monkey bars. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do with the monkey bars is, I don't know if I can describe this accurately, but instead of like moving across it like you would normally do, so you're facing the long way, I would turn and face the short way. And I would lift my legs up and over, like, the thicker part of the bar. And then I would lift myself up and through the small part. Does that make sense?
1: Okay, wait. Am I giving
0: you a – ha, does that make sense? Am I giving you the correct (laughs) visual?
1: (laughs) Wait, so instead of facing, like, down the rungs, you would face the side of the rungs. Pull yourself up and then sit on the side. Instead Correct. of the wrong, So I would I lift
0: my – and I think about, like, how limber I was as a kid and, like, I'm like, how did I lose all of that? Mm. But, like, I would be able to lift my legs up, like, holding onto the bars. I'd lift my legs up to where, like, the um, – Crease of your knee? Crease of my knee, exactly, uh-huh. was holding onto it. And then I would be able to pull myself up. Yeah, Or I would do that or I would also like instead of my hands being on the small bars to lift my legs up through, (laughs) that's so crazy, I would grab onto the big bar, I would lift my legs up through to where they were kind of wrapped around the small bars and then lift myself up. Mm. I think about that. I'm thinking about about the shoulder stands I would do. Mm. the shoulder stands i would do with no problem as a kid and then you know as an adult i don't know yoga as a kid and then as an adult i was like shit i did shoulder stands all the time (sighs) that would be glorious i need to build myself back up to that
1: I remember doing – my grandparents had a set of um, monkey bars and we were there a whole bunch. And I remember Mm. doing like what you were describing and then also like you get your – you get the one bar in the knee crease and then you lock the top part of your foot on like the next either rung or the next like wide part and then you just like hang. Um, Yes. And then we would do penny drops, which were like – Maybe they're called something else, but you would go to the part, the very side of the monkey bar where there's no more, um, there's no more rungs in front of you or no more bars, and then you have one leg hooked over and then one leg hooked behind, and then you just, like, swing forward, and you just, like, whoop, like a, I don't know, like, a pendulum goes from all the way north top to, like, all the way south and then back, um, but we used to play chicken. My sister and I used to play chicken. And so we would hang, and then you would use your legs to, like, wrap around the other person's waist and, like, yank them down, <laughs> yank them down until they would fall,
0: <laughs> plummet yes. to the earth. Aw, good time. So Wild good. abandonment. We need that again. Yeah. So what would you rate this tea? Um, I don't know if I have a different scale for non-boutique-y tea, just because I feel like, um, the, the – Okay, I literally put my shit on no contact, including nobody, and I still got a- and it's a spam call. Bullshit. I'm fucking recording. (laughs) You get out of the way on the street. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, hold on. Let me see if I can just at least mute this shit.
1: I didn't even remember to do that at all, so thank you. I did turn off my heat, though
0: yeah i turned mine off too um so okay yeah
1: or when would you drink this i guess might be a a better
0: oh when would i drink this um i'm sure it would be fine cold i'm not a huge cold tea drinker um i think if it's is it caffeine i assume it's caffeine free yeah it's herbal yeah this would be a nice um evening Like, just cozying up, watching some TV, watching some detective mysteries, or some supernatural. Mm. Not supernatural. BuzzFeed Unsolved Supernatural is what I mean, not the...
1: What? I've never heard of this.
0: It's so funny. Okay. So, it started, like, six or seven years ago. It has seasons. There's only, like, four to six episodes a season, and it didn't start out with them doing actual investigations. So it's these, the first two episodes is, um, Ryan Bugara and some other random guy. And then that guy leaves for some reason. And this guy, Shane Madey, who they have launched their own, um, YouTube series now called Watcher. They're really funny. But basically what they do or what they eventually do in the series is, um, Ryan believes that there are ghosts. Shane does not. And it's just a really fun, mm-hmm. like, back and forth between the two of them so what they do is they go and investigate for the night uh a a supposed haunting um so like they went to the the winchester house where sarah winchester um do you know that story
1: Mm
0: -mm. okay there it's so much her husband created the winchester rifle oh yes
1: yes yes i watched a movie yes yes yes
0: okay yeah so That's kind of, some of the movie is true, but she supposedly had 24 hours a day construction because she was told by a medium that if she didn't, the ghosts of everybody who was killed by Winchester would come back to haunt her. Uh And so that's why at one point she had like eight stories in her house until it caught on fire. And like, I think it's down to four stories, but there's like steps that lead to nowhere. There's doors that open to a wall. Crazy. Was
1: she trying to confuse
0: the ghosts? I think that was the theory behind it, okay. and she she did most of the architecture herself because my assumption is that some architecture architects just thought she was like cuckoo for cocoa puffs and was like I can't work with you, but but there's all there's all kinds of theories, but they'll go to these places or like Waverly Hill Sanatorium or and they'll investigate and to, to try to catch proof. Ryan's trying to catch proof, and then change just like. <laughs> come on, ghost, hit me, punch me, throw me down the stairs, because he doesn't <laughs> believe they're real. It's just a really fun, lighthearted series, and it's enjoyable, and, mm-hmm. I, and I love it. Mm-hmm. They are no longer with BuzzFeed, though, but, they, they, but they're but they still doing mm-hmm. some – I think their contract is that they're still doing some of the movies or episodes, but they didn't do this past year because, you know, right, Rona. Right, right. Hmm. We just
1: – Ayla and I just got into this glass-blowing reality show. So it's fun, Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, okay, you think you would know, but it's like really exciting. And I mean, they're all artists and they all have like these, incre- these incredible perspectives and there's like flame workers and then there's like, like you can make vessels or you can make like sculptures. I don't know, it just kind of opened up this whole world. And then so we've been geeking out real hard every night. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. It's called blown away.
0: <laughs> That's a great
1: title i know and it's um it's rated tv 14 but i don't know it says for language but it's better than so many of the pg-13 things that we watch especially when it's like pg-13 from like the 80s
0: but yeah oh yeah totally different
1: yeah <laughs> She's trying to convince. She watched The Breakfast Club, and then she, um, which is R, and then we were about to watch Sixteen Candles, which is also R. But like, it's R for like literally four seconds of boobs. Well, I guess it's full frontal, but it's like a woman in uh, or a teenager in a change not change room, a, a locker room at school. And, and but the thing is, there's like. They're, the whole movie – I guess it doesn't make sense it it's art – is, like, overlaid with, like, sexuality and, like, you know, has she done it before and all of these more uh. adult themes. But then I was telling her, too, because um, I once – Once we realized that there was a reason that it was R, then we stopped watching it together, Um, even though she started to watch The Breakfast Club, like, whatever. But then I told her I finished it, and she asked how it was. Oh, yeah, and I said I said the whole movie had a a sexual undertone, and and frankly, most of the time, the sexual undertone with the women was, like, women being objectified and, like, are the dudes going to, like, sleep with her and all this stuff, and I was like, not really. To me, it's more troublesome and traumatic um the fact that it's our through that lens depicting a woman as though she's like an object and you know something to have like that to me is more something i would want to stray away from as a parent instead of just sexuality or Violence, because there's our violent stuff. It's like literally everywhere, and no one is has any problems with it. But sexuality, which actually creates life instead of destroys it, is like a real problem. And she was like, "Mom, it's just a movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Chill out. Oh, yeah, that's cute." All so what right. are we talking about
1: today? So we're we're going to talk about Kali, my most favorite goddess, the one Yay. who who captured me initially and probably has the strongest foothold on my heart. Um and okay, and so I'm going to clear also. So we've so we've actually recorded Kali before, but it was not up to par and I did not I the The perfectionist one in me was not as pleased with it as I and and she's like she's just the most important thing and so it's like I have to do her right and so we're redoing it but then I also realized we put it off like I've rescheduled this I mean for weeks. Like, yeah. I had no problem talking about Baba Yaga. Maybe I rescheduled Babiaga, too. But then I like, why am I putting this off? She, if it's my favorite thing, if she's my favorite archetype, why would I put it off? And then it's like, I realized that the bar was so high, like, there was no way I'd be able to make it. And so I'd rather just mm-hmm. ag- not acknowledge that it's there at all. Like, the um, the perfectionist, like, paralyzing thing that happens. So, but I feel better about it now because
0: I... Yeah, I feel better about now. Well, that's good. think, right? but I find it ironic simply because I thought your original recording, which was the, like the very first full-on podcast that we tried to record, mm-hmm. it is it was beautiful. I was literally on the edge of my seat, and you were so like full of light talking about her, and I I didn't want to re record it, but I also understand that one mm-hmm. and that need to to do right.
1: Well, hopefully, I mean, I can't imagine ever talking about her and not filling up with light. So hopefully we'll capture that again. But oh, yes. Okay. <sighs> Grinding breath in. Here we go. So, um, so Kali has, so it, her name, Kali. Um, Translates to roughly time. So Kala means time. Um, But then also, too, it can be translated as the black one or the dark one. And she is known sometimes as Kali Ma, uh, meaning mother, or Ma Kali. Um, Perhaps you remember her from that... Indiana Jones, where there's this cult underground, and then they all chant "Kali Ma Shakti Di, Kali Ma Shakti Di," and then they have um, human sacrifices. Which is, I think that's, I think Indiana has to get out of being a human sacrifice if I remember correctly. But yeah. I remember knowing about the Kali first, and then seeing it on Indiana Jones. And I was like, how come nobody told me that fucking Kali was like in movies? But it's because it – well, and also she's depicted as, you know, this, like, terrible, like, gruesome, like, devil, basically, which is not entirely untrue, but she she's very misunderstood. Um, okay, so first I'm just going to tell you about, like, what she looks like so we can get a visual image of her, and then I will tell you about her myth. And then after that I will tell you why I'm obsessed with her, okay? Yes perfect okay so she means time her name means time she is not only the creator of time but also the consumer of time so like time consumes everything right every child is going to grow up and then eventually die and they're dying to what time but then what does time die to Kali Kali creates it and she destroys it so like think epic infinite power from this from this being Um, she is uh, feminine Embodiment, so goddess. She is naked, so... Um, naked and like wild and untamed so she has this long mane of hair sometimes shown like down to the ground and it's all knotted and gnarly um because she there's no need for a hairbrush or anything like that but then she's naked and so boobs out but she's naked not just to nod to her sexuality um and her wildness but also the the blackness that she is is, is pure space she's the infinite void like because the void would consume everything so the consumer of time so she's pure space which cannot be contained so you can't put a layer of clothing on top of this being this entity that cannot be contained it also kind of speaks to she's the destroyer of ego and illusion so if she is the epitome of truth you can think about her being naked as though the truth can the true infinite truth can never be cloaked nothing can nothing can conceal it from us and also being naked denotes the absence of shame in physical form. Because for Carly, you know, this physical world is not – on one layer, it's an illusion. And on another, it's, it's, you know, it's real. I can touch the table in front of me and the couch and the chair that I'm seated on. It's not imaginary. But then what is truer than that, like the the leveling up, is that – this physical world is temporary, and so this physical body that I have should not be a source of shame or um, or bondage, really. So, complete freeness in her, in her pure naked body. And then her skin is black, i.e. the void, the infinite space. If you look out at the night sky and all the black that you see in between all the stars, that's Kali. She is... The pure nothingness stretched in infinite directions, but then if you could put that in a in a feminine body archetype, um sometimes she's depicted as blue, uh, just depending on on the source of of the particular myth. Sometimes she's depicted as like an old crone again the denoting the time right if she's like all bony and raggedy and like ugly looking that's because time has has taken its toll on her but then sometimes she's depicted as like bright and cheery and sweet faced. that's when she's usually blue and then black is usually the more destructive version of hers she's got three eyes so two in the normal spots and then a third eye right in the middle of her forehead and that is how she sees truth and sees through illusion she has uh, sometimes several arms, sometimes just two, um, it, regardless of how many arms she has. She always has a demon's head, uh, dripping blood, sometimes it's dripping blood into a bowl. She's containing the blood that she will later drink, which is part of her story. Um, but then sometimes she has many arms as well. She's, she, her origin story is that she shoots out of Durga, and Durga has many arms. So. Um, and then in her arms, okay, her weapons. So she has a trident in in one hand typically the triple points on the trident symbolize that she stands for all three of the creator the preserver and the destroyer so there's she's she's all of the things together so she's got a trident um sometimes she's shown with a a curved sword or a crescent um a crescent shaped like a, a sickle um and that is to destroy illusion to sever the heads of all of the ego demons but then also too the thing that's cool with a sickle is it's actually used for like harvesting and like you know, sowing agriculture. So not only are you destroying something like you would with a sword severing the head of something, but you're also reaping something to harvest in the future. So it's like, it's this beautiful kind of a play on non-duality. And ultimately, she's the goddess of paradox, the goddess of non-duality. She's a tantric goddess. And there's different aspects depending on the lens that you're looking at. There's like Hindu tantra, and then there's Buddhist tantra. And so she's got several different names in addition to Kali, um, sometimes she's known as Chimundi or Chinamunda or Chinamasta. Um, and so there's different, like, sort of variations and, and like, core origin myths, but essentially all of them, she's drinking blood or licking blood off of corpses and demons. Um, one of them, Chinamasta, she severs her own head. She's like out bathing with her two attendants. So if you look up pictures of Chinamasa or Chinamunda, there'll be three women together. And then one of them has their head severed off. So they're bathing and Chinamunda's uh, servants, like, you know, two helper women attendants say that they're hungry. And so Chinamunda chops off of her head and then severed, like self-severs her own head and then blood spurts from her neck and then into the mouths of her two attendants. So she feeds her two attendants with her own blood. But then not only that, it also spouts and then feeds herself. So then it's like severed head goddess and then three prongs of blood coming out, one to each attendant and then one to herself. So like the death of herself feeds herself. Like What? <laughs> Super non-dual, like you know, trippy paradox, um, and also the the fear of removing the fear of death, like the ego fear, essentially of like what is temporary. Like none of that matters because what is true is immortal, regardless of whether or not you have a head. And then some people to say too with the um, the tuna I'm not I don't remember if it was the chinamunda or the chinamaster, but the the severed head acknowledges the mastery of the mind over the body and over this like temporary nature. So if you can sever your own head, then 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 you've got it mastering the physical condition rather okay so let's see what else about her? she um physically oh she has her tongue out so her tongue out means well again it represents her wildness and her like fearsome, ferocious. It makes me think of um, lion's breath when we do lion's breath like in a yoga class or something. Mm -hmm. And there's, whenever the teacher begins to cue it, I know that there's people in the class or even if it's me cueing it, they're like, oh man, I hate this one because lion's breath is like, you know, jaw drops, mouth wide open, tongue out as far as you can go. And then you like hiss, growl, breathe really loud, like, "Ah!" and so she has her tongue out in that, which is, so if you think about it, if you're in a class and then you are, are cued to do this then those feelings that come up of like I don't want to do this in front of people or this makes me uncomfortable or like going balls to the wall with it the the ability to go balls to the wall with it without worrying about someone else's judgment of you or how it's coming out is like the epitome of Kali fearless ferocious pure power embodied the the tongue out also symbolism her symbolizes her insatiable appetite So she consumes demon blood, um, but also ego and all of these demons that we have. She can slay all of it in this, like, never-ending, gaping hole that is her mouth. She can consume everything. She can hold everything for you, basically. Anything that you don't need to hold, she can hold for you. Um, And this, this brutal wildness of her open mouth. But then, okay, so that's, like, version one of Tongue Out. And then version two of Tongue Out is kind of i don't want to say the opposite but a a, well a different perspective so and again denotes the, the paradox of how you can perceive her but then sometimes the tongue out is discussed as though it is her shyness and shame so she has she essentially loses her shit when she drinks a whole bunch of demon's blood in this one particular version of her and she she can't see through the bloodlust, and so Shiva has to stop her. And then when Shiva stops her and she realizes what she's done, she sticks out her tongue in, like, shy shame. And it makes me think of, like, kids when you're, like, introducing kids to other adults or something, and they're, like, shy, and they, like, hide behind their leg- like their parents' legs. Like, I can just see, you know, like, a tongue coming out. Like, in shyness. Mm. It's Yeah. Yeah. Um- yeah.
0: It's <laughs> a great description. Otherwise, I don't know if I would know. Yeah. What that meant. Yeah.
1: I remember first reading it and I'm like, that doesn't really make sense. But but then when I thought about that, like I can see kids doing that. Okay. Um. So then she's got her tongue. She's got her third eye. She's blue black. She's got a garland. She wears a garland of severed heads or skulls. And these are representative of all of the demons she slayed. Um. And when I say demons, so it could be literal demons. I mean, not literal. But, uh, okay. So it could be like bad guys who are not benevolent entities trying to do harm so so there's those demons there is ego demons so the things that we hold inside that keep us small and low and not our truest most authentic versions of ourselves and then there's demons as in like illusion like forgetting that we're not separate so the demon of separateness as this like duality that she needs to break the thing about Kali is, she is the feminine consort of Shiva. And so Shiva in the Hindu like Trinity, Shiva is the destroyer because there's a creator, a destroyer, and a preserver. And so Shiva represents the destructive force. And so Kali is his feminine consort, the, the female embodiment of the Shakti that destroys. Shakti also creates as well, but in this particular instance, she destroys. And the other cool thing to think about is, so Shiva, depending on the Hindu mythology that you're looking at, Shiva sometimes has a consort that's like Parvati. But the thing about Parvati is, Parvati actually soothes him and calms him down. The opposite is true with Kali. Kali excites him and agitates him and like provokes and encourages him because compared to the two of them Kali versus um Shiva, Shiva is like you know complete control over his body and over his mental state and all of these things, so then she exacerbates and agitates that, so it's kind of cool that she's like a an activating force instead of a soothing force, but because of all of these things, she can very easily be misunderstood and so people think Uh. that she's you know like super bad news and like terrifying and ferocious and you know like devil worshiping kind of thing which you know honestly i feel like good if you're gonna judge her and get it wrong, like that sucks for that's your bad. <laughs> she she shouldn't have to make herself nice. You know what I mean to to appear to people. Yes, and it only goes to show that's what happens when you judge a book by a cover. And it also goes to show that those are egos to those are ego demons that you have to slay. If you're judging somebody on something that you don't actually know, but you see a surface layer, oh she's got blood dripping from her fangs and she's naked and she's you know got this demon dripping bowl of hair she must be awful that's your ego jumping to the conclusions making a judgment in which pointing the arrow directly at you needing to welcome kalyan to slay those demon dragons of ego judgment yeah fucking love her yeah me too um okay so okay so let me tell you about her myth i think that was everything i wanted to talk about in regards to her physical appearance um
0: it was a great description thank you
1: All right, so the myth, the origin story of Kali. So first thing, a disclaimer, um, I do not speak Sanskrit uh, fluently, and all of these words and letters are going to come out of this mouth that is very much used to speaking English. So keep in mind, all the names that I say will be pronounced to the best of my ability and (laughs) therefore may be incorrect. (laughs) Okay, so the myth of Kali... So there's a few different places where it comes from. Um, there is the, the Devi um, Bhagavata it's kind of like the bhagavad gita but it's it's the song of of the goddess basically and then there's the devi mahatmya um and so so she has these like different versions depending on which book which century you're you're looking at but in order to tell the story of kali we have to first tell you the story of the demon that she slayed and so the demon that she slayed his name was Bija. and Uh, So if you take his name and you chunk it up, um, Rakta means blood and then Bija means seed. So like there's Bija mantras. Those are seed sounds. Um, So Rakta Bija means blood seed. And Rakta Bija, so even before this incarnation of him, if you look at the previous life that he lived, like before he was born as Raktabija, um, his previous life, he was like wreaking havoc in that one as well. And his name was Ramba or Rambashura, Sura. Sura means demon, basically. Um, Ansura does. Uh, or like the opposite of a benevolent entity. Um, and so Ramba and his brother, when they were young, decided that they wanted to do penance to get a boon, From the gods so that they could essentially overtake the universe and like be the head of the clan of these ansuras, these demons. So this is before he's even rocked to be just his previous life. He's like super bad news. So he does this penance um, for the god Agni, who's the god of fire, by standing inside fire for a really long time. And it pleases um, the god of fire. And so he gives him a boon. And the boon is that he can't be killed by a god or a demon or a man which the only loophole left is that he's killed by a dead man, which that's eventually how he dies. He's killed by somebody who's put together with, like, the bones of somebody else and basically killed by a zombie. Um, But these, this was back in the day when gods would grant boons left and right for, like, not for dumb things, but you think that they would learn their lesson because every time they grant a boon, it seems to blow up in their face, which may be why they don't grant boons any longer. Um, Yeah.
0: But can you for those that don't know, can you explain what a boon is? Oh yeah, so a boon is
1: like it's kind of like a superpower. It's like a special god-like quality that that you get to have. So like a god would be immortal. So the gods granted them the ability to not be killed by a god demon or or man. Um and, and you please different gods in different ways. So he pleases the god of fire, Agni, by standing in fire. So that's not going to please Shiva because Shiva doesn't really care about any of that. Um, you would please Shiva by, you know, meditating on a mountaintop for 7,000 years. And then she would be like, all right, you're pretty great. I'm going to give you this thing. Um, Okay, so that was before he was even Biju. He was already, like, a youth that had decided he was going to be Lord of the Demons. So he was, like, had it in his whatever the God version of DNA is to, like, be a real hard time. Um, but then he gets killed by a dead man. Okay, great. And then he's reborn, Rock Dibiju, uh, sometimes known as, like, the Lord of the Demons and Rakdu Biju is okay so then he's in he's in this life as Rakdu Biju and he essentially does the same thing but he doesn't do it with Agni and fire depending on the story some say he um does uh penance or or practices austerities for Shiva which would be like meditating on a mountaintop and then some say that it is for Brahma and so one of these gods gives him the boon the boon in this particular story um, and how he gets his name is that with every drop of blood that is spilled of his own every drop of bloodshed uh, another one of him will be born therefore making him somewhat immortal so anytime he's in combat or battle and someone fights him the bloodier the bite bloodier the fight the stronger he gets because then he'll just multiply in armies And Mm -hmm. so um, because he already has it in and then he's going to like rule everything in this terrible, traumatic, you know, demon like way. uh, He he gets too powerful and the gods don't know what to do Um, because each of the gods have individually tried to stop him. But they can't because every time they do, he just multiplies into more and more armies and gets stronger and stronger. And so the gods all come together and decide to bring And unite all of their Shakti. Shakti meaning feminine creative force. So all of the the active power of doing, each god gets together and says, "Let's, let's birth something entirely new. So then that's how they create the goddess Durga. And so Durga has several arms, I think maybe 10, a whole bunch of arms. And then in each arm, she has a weapon. So she's got a chakra, she's got a bow and arrow, she's got a sword, she's got a javelin, she's got a conch shell, she's got a shield. And so she takes the best, most like epic force of each god and then wraps it up into one. And they're like, for sure Durga will be able to kill Biju. And so Durga comes in, rides in on her tiger like a badass and (laughs) starts fighting Biju, but cannot slay him and instead multiplies his armies more and more and more. And Durga gets like pretty pissed at this point because she's like the the best of all of the best but in the feminine embodiment And she still can't kill this guy. And so out of holy rage and frustration, like that like guttural, you know, eyebrows furrowing kind of like growl um, from her frustration out of her third eye blasts Kali. So that also kind of tells you about the energy that Kali brings. She's birthed out of holy rage, this like super destructive, like kind of force is embodied in her. But then she's also the nurturing mother, yes. right? Which is, we'll get there. Um, okay, so then Kali shoots out of her forehead and with this giant long tongue and open mouth, she sweeps up all of the armies that Rakitu has created. His legions and legions of men of his his blood seeds she scoops them up with her tongue laps them up and swallows them whole so now it's just her and the singular rock to left but then it's like okay she can't cut him down and she's got the trident right and she's got like maybe a sickle but she's smarter than that she knows that that's not how she kills him plus she has this insatiable wild appetite for like devastation based on holy rage so what she does is she severs his head but then instead of letting any drop of blood fall to the ground she sticks out her tongue and laps it up and then drinks it So, and then she drinks all of his blood until he's, like, nothing less than, you know, a a withered up bag of, of where a demon used to be. All of his life has been drained out of him, and she's consumed it all, right? She saves the day. She saves the day! But then, it's like, it gets a little bit wacky here, because... I mean, think about if you were to consume, right, legions, armies of demon blood and demon bodies, and then you drink the fucking, all of the blood that's in the lord of the demon, you're going to go a little bit batty. And that's what she does. She gets a little bit bloodlusty and a little bit crazy, which is, again, thank you feminine embodiment for like showing the humanity that even like gods and goddesses can like lose their shit a little bit. So she goes on this wild rampage and she can't see straight. All she sees is red. And she is like this... Um, starting to become an unhealthy destructive force because she has no discernment for what needs to be destroyed or what doesn't or what is good or what is bad or the the fight is actually over she can't recognize any of this because she's in this like drunken stupor of holy rage and so then the gods get back together and they're like okay we almost fixed it but now we have this new problem so what are we gonna do about it and then Shiva, her consort's like I got this. So then, okay, then the version splits up into two different possibilities. So I'm going to tell you both because I like them both. So Shiva being the consort, and again, he's like cool as a cucumber and like the ultimate meditative like – has full control over body and mind and not at all attached to the physical world. So, um, and he's he's covered in ash, so he's all white. So he's like in, in the visual contrast, like the complete opposite of her. So then he takes himself and places his body on the battlefield so that when Kali is in her wild rage and her foot, her pinky toe begins to step on him and she feels his coolness, she's immediately snapped out of her wild rage. And then she transforms into the the nurturer, um, you know, mother, softer version of Kali. So, okay, so that's option one, how Shiva fixes it. And then option two for Shiva fixing it is Shiva um, makes himself into a baby, into an infant. And then same thing, places his body... Uh, the infant body on the battlefield and then as Kali's in her wild rage she either hears the infant sees the infant or begins to step on it and then again snaps her out of her rage and then you know she picks up the infant and then she's transformed and is cooing and and is the the opposite of not being able to be in control of her her senses and her um all of her shakti
0: yummy that is so yummy it's so delicious her yeah. story and i really like when you, earlier when you said like good if you are going to view collie in this way and not try to understand the picture because it's all depiction it's all how one person said this is how i'm going to tell literally an entire story instead of mm-hmm. one picture so what people see is a woman in the middle of rage wearing skulls and tits out and holding the head that's dripping and then standing on the body of Shiva. And, you know, it's seen as the the ugly side of the feminine when really it's an entire culmination inside yeah. of one picture where she's literally taking care of yeah, us. Yeah, she's doing it for you. She's saving us. That's wild. And I fucking love it. Because I know the first time, you know, I can't remember the first time I, I saw the Kali, like the classic Kali images. But I'm sure that my immediate thought was, holy shit, this cra- this mm-hmm. bitch crazy. Like, what is mm-hmm. she doing? And I fucking, yeah, I love it. I love it.
1: So, and then it's like, it immediately drops you into this place of paradox and what is true and what is illusion and where, where's my ego filling in the blanks with complete nonsense? Where is there fear that isn't actually serving me and instead keeping me from recognizing truth? And ultimately this, this rage that she has is coming from a place of preservation and of nurturing, right? It's like this perfect balance. Mm. It's not just, you know, and like feeding her like, you know, body so that she's <laughs> satisfied. It's like, it's in service to maintaining balance that she does this. Yeah. Just like, um, you know, you, you get sick and then it increases your immune system so that you don't get sick in that same way again, right? Or, you know, in our, yeah. like, political climate, like, it goes so far in the fucking shitter that it is traumatic and terrible and painful and, like, things need to die and be set the fuck on fire so that we can right the ship,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah. She's literally the embodiment of a yeah. mama bear, Like, when that rage jumps out of you to do literally anything to protect your children or your family, that's Kali coming out of your your marrow, out of your cells, for sure. How do you think when it comes to – because it's the um, coming together of the divine masculine and the divine feminine in the Shiva Mm
1: -hmm. Kali
0: story. Could you – do you have anything to elaborate on that? About how it's how because of who Shiva is, and I don't I don't think I've mentioned this before in any of our podcasts because we haven't really talked about um, that the idea that if Shiva is the dancer, Shakti is the dance, and Shakti is the many faces of the goddess, and Kali is one of the Mm -hmm. Shakti faces, and how it is how for true balance it is necessary to have both. The divine masculine and the divine feminine. And in this instance, in this particular story, Kali is much more of the hot, like you described it, and Shiva is much Mm -hmm. more of the cold. Although in Shakti's other faces, it's not the same thing. Right. That some of the Shakti images bring Shiva back to a place of presence Mm -hmm. as well, just as Shiva is working to make Kali realize there is good. Mm -hmm. And then she's snapped out of it. Maybe I maybe I elaborated yeah, on it. You, I don't know. You
1: definitely did, but I can <laughs> certainly add to it. I mean, yes, cuz we're you and I are very goddess-centric, but at the same time, regardless of how much goddess empowerment and feminine empowerment we, you know, pound our fists in the air to, none of that can happen without the support of the masculine, right? It ha- They have got to happen together and in union at some point, because if there's only one, there will indefinitely be imbalance. I mean... Mm. It- as goddess of paradox, right? She, she is, she is an embodiment of exactly that, right? So she's terrifying. And then she's also nurturing. So she's the balance of both. And she is, um, you know, the, the source of time, and she is the consumer of time. And in any aspect, whether it's God and goddess or whether it's, you know, like in this physical reality, you know, in the century that we're living in, anything that exists without having some sort of barrier or container um, has the potential to become off balance, which is what we see with mm. our existence today and the patriarchy. There was like there's no there's no yeah. margin to keep that fucker in line. And so then it's just like running rampant crazy, which Again, we describe the patriarchy in that way as this negative connotation, but the feminine has the same potential, of course. It just is a slightly different, um, you know, like visual, slightly different way to perceive it from like a mental cognitive spot. Because keep in mind too, all of these things that we're describing. So first of all, I'm using language to describe these ideas and feelings. So our minds could never truly comprehend what it is to be infinite. Like if there was an entity, some sort of something or other that didn't even exist in space, exist outside of space, that was part of everything and was also the part of, of all of the nothing that doesn't, is pure possibility and the absence of positive, like you, you cannot wrap our two hemispheres of a brain around that. So instead we take something like the edges, the container that is Kali or any, any, you know, archetype to be able to understand it, to like chop it up into smaller morsels, to be able to consume it and integrate it and be like, okay, I can see how this sliver of an aspect of the infinite represents itself and, and, and takes shape and form and, promises its existence to me in my life you know
0: if you wanted to work with Kali how would you do that
1: so so the way that I feel most called to work with Kali it like in every day so I'm not talking about like setting up an altar and like making a whole thing of it like the easiest way and the most frequent way for me to tap into Kali is remembering paradox and um and, and the idea that there is no true separation. So when I say paradox, right, say you have black and white, and they're on two separate ends of the spectrum, and you think about the spectrum as a line, this in its like most simplest form is duality. You've got one thing over here on the left, one thing over on the right, and you've got, they're separate. But That's an illusion. So instead of taking that line, that linear thinking, and if you were to connect both ends from that line, then you would have a circle. And then it's all part of one. So like this idea Mm -hmm. that darkness and light are separate and that they're opposites, the only way that they're opposites is because they are both describing the one same singular thing the one like true is true thing so for me the way that I like to tap into Kali the most is whenever something hits me and I don't like the way it hits whether it's like you know a thought that I have or a judgment about a person or you know if I'm like being a curmudgeon about my experience and like I don't have this thing that I want it's like okay I feel this particular way and it doesn't feel pleasing okay so what's the opposite of that what is the paradox that I'm experiencing where does the illusion exist because if I'm saying I'm unhappy or something isn't enough or this person is a jerk all of that is is the idea of separation with a fucking dress on it you know what I mean it's just a different costume mm-hmm. of me thinking that I'm separate and that there's something that is exists outside of me when really truly I am part of space and I If you look at like, you know, molecular level, like atoms are mostly space, we can look at like the actual stuff, the actual physical things that take up space, but there's way more stuff that actually doesn't take up space. So the idea that I'm separate from this table or that I'm separate from you as an individual is just fake or the idea that I'm pissed off about something. If I can sit for a moment and begin to like wrap my brain around the paradox that is Kali, it's like, okay, what else is also true? What's the opposite? So if I'm, you know, mad at someone because, or let's say, let's say someone triggers me because that, I mean, that's, that's like a total part of being human, right? Someone triggers me, they say something and I think that it's irritating and I say, ew, I don't like that. And then I uh, put on, I recognize this layer of separateness. They're outside of me. Their behavior is not what I am blah, 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 blah. But really what I'm experiencing, that disjointedness, this, this misalignment, is, is the absence of union. So instead of saying they are separate from me, what I really need to remember, the opposite end of the spectrum, right? The contrast is that I do not enjoy what they are and so I am creating this illusion of separation that I am not that. Whereas if I can say to myself, they're having a bad day, or, you know, they've got past traumas that are influencing this behavior, or perhaps I had some behavior that contributed to this, right? And then it links those two separate ends of the spectrum. I'm not this, I am this. It puts them together. And then it's like, boom, I'm everything. That's right. And then there's no need to be afraid of the darkness or, or of shadow. So... If people want to work with Kali, anytime something pisses you off, anytime you experience anything shadow, it's like, but where's Kali in this? Where is the idea of separation? Because that's where the shitty feeling comes from, which is a fucking illusion. And let me just talk for a second about the illusion of separation. Because Kali, okay, Kali's the mother, right? And she is primal sexuality. And we think, you know, especially in this culture, we think of sexuality as like this like taboo thing. But sexuality is like the epitome of godliness. Because the only thing that life really is, is life, death, and sex. And I don't just mean like people having sex. Like if you look around you, the reason you're surrounded by plants is because they're fucking having sex like all the time. The reason flowers smell so good is because they're trying to have sex with other flowers. Everything is just in this constant act of co-creation where there's two separate things and then they're trying to become one, which is, you know, human bodies, right? Like I identify as a as a female and I have this void, this this womb space and this vagina and this incredible vulva. And what do I want to do? I want to make union with something. So whether it's another man or another woman, mm-hmm. it's generally, you know, without going into like gender heteronorms and stuff, if you're thinking like man and woman, it's these the idea of opposites. And then what is sex? literally bringing them together like two bodies union as one that's like it's fucking everything so then if you're pissed off with someone and you're experiencing separation all it is is this ego veil of illusion take it to Kali, let her sever and destroy that demon of ego separateness and then she'll she'll take it away that was a really long answer but i can also be more
0: specific (laughs) fucking love it (laughs) I love it. So
1: Kali also likes um uh like r- deep meditation um like if, if you can get to this place for me personally, I can't say what she likes, but I can say for me what it feels like she likes is if I can get to the place in my body, in my mind where, where it stops, where it does not exist. So like that Shiva meditative, like trance-like state, um, sometimes like I've mm-hmm. gotten there before with like mantra and chanting or like fire gazing, but that spot where nothing else exists in your mind and then it's just like pure bliss and pure love and then it's like remembering that the the infinite that the whole universe is my greatest well-wisher like I am birthed of her just as you know in in Christianity you have the father who loves all of his children if you flip that to a uh, feminine or goddess centric it's like I am birthed out of the womb of the infinite void that is space that is this great black goddess surrounding me on all sides of course she loves me of course i am supported by the infinite and the greatest expanse so so tapping into that place of of nothingness and oneness and then remembering the gratitude um i also okay more practical those are pretty heady ways to to appreciate the goddess more (laughs) practical ways Uh, i have this beautiful polished um obsidian sphere and it looks like a big black hole and it feels really heavy. And you know, I like holding that in my hand and staring into it. And then I see my reflection in it, which again reminds me that, you know, there is no separation. Any Anything that exists outside of me is really just a mirror of what's already inside of me. What else can you do for Kali? So traditionally her devotees, like if you were studying Tantra with, you know, not in like the suburbs of America, but if you are in the mountains somewhere as a as a sage or Tantric mystic, you would be... Uh, meditating to her on a bed of skulls and skeletons um, in graveyards, sometimes one of her one of her tantric practices is to consume rotting flesh so <laughs> Which might be why she's so misunderstood because people are like, if that's what she wants you to do, she's probably up to no good. But it is up to good because if you can consume rotting flesh, think about if you were to bring rotting meat up to your mouth, right? That sense of aversion, that sense of I do not want this to be part of me, this like undeniable barrier of keep that out, keep it separate. And if you can overcome that and consume it and let it become part of you, like... Like, right, you're blasting layers off of this glass ceiling of separation with the goddess. And, um, you know, anything that you would desire, so so taking sexuality and thinking about it in terms of being either in control or completely not in control of, of your desire sexually, it's also the so things that you desire, things that you crave, things that you're pulling towards you, right, is the opposite of aversion, the things that you're pushing away, the things that you're saying no, thank you to. And so it's experiencing this middle way, this third point in between the desires and the the aversions so that neither of them have control over you. You can say rotting flesh in front of my face. And instead of, you know, your body gagging and you don't have the ability to put it in your mouth, you have the ability from a neutral standpoint to say, I can consume this and it doesn't make a difference because i I'm from this neutral point. Or, you know, if you're if you're looking at it from desires, I have these really strong desires, but they're not driving my behavior. I can sit back and observe them without being influenced by them. Interesting. I still don't think that I gave like really good ways to to worship her.
0: <laughs> I think and this can be with any um goddess or god archetype that you're wanting to like get along with having the um a visual representation, I think, can be very connecting, if you want to be as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't my story, and I'm not going to name how I heard it or who it was from. But there is a story from a Kali devotee who was in a relationship that she knew needed to end. and um, But she didn't want to do it. I don't know why she didn't just outright say, get the fuck up out my place. But what she did was she hung a... Mm. Kali tapestry on his side of the bed, in her in her home on his side of the bed, and he was gone within a week.
1: Right? So the thing is, the ego cannot survive in yeah. the face of Kali. Like, if it does not belong, she will destroy it. Like, there's nothing, there's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. Yeah. Just fucking give yeah. it to her.
0: Yeah, I heard it. once, um, somebody explained it really well, that if um, if you have... If you have your plan, you know what you want and it's like, okay, this is how I can get from A to Z. You, you, um, are connecting with a divine masculine because it's very like, we must do this, this and this. Um, but if you are in a okay. state of, I like just saying, I literally don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I need. Give it to a goddess. Give it to a goddess and she is going to take care of you. And I feel like Kali very much is a representation of somebody who can you literally just give it. I don't know what I'm doing. I need your guidance. Now with Kali, though, and I do know this, but I'm not nearly as much of a devotee as you are. But if you give it to Kali, you better be fucking ready. Because yeah. it can be work, family, relationship, friendships, companionship. If you're not ready to let those go, then you're not ready to give it to to Kali because she's going to make you see everything yeah. that you no longer need and it might and it's not going to always be pretty.
1: Right? Well, and it's exactly what, you know, if if you put yourself in the place of Durga fighting this demon and you've exhausted all of your resources, you don't know what else to do. And it's like, well, fuck, like I, I just have to surrender into this like rage. And then she pops out and then, you know, it goes a little bit haywire. But I will say one time I gave something to Kali that I thought that I was ready to give to her and she took it and... And it was gone, and I was like, wow, that was, that was like, surprisingly easy. I mean, of course, it, it wasn't. It was, like, you know, I had to perform my own, like, sadhana or, like, penance to get there. But then once she took it, and then there was, like, this feeling of, like, lack and of, like, missing. And it was, like, um, like I, I thought that I was running. I thought it was what I wanted. I knew it was for my greatest good, but it still, like, yeah. hurt and... And you know, Kali, is, it's she's it's going to be messy. And you know, if you burn some shit down, like things are going to get charred maybe that you may or not want. And in this particular instance, I remember not like I didn't sit down with the idea to like to bring it back to me. Um, but I I've definitely made choices in my life where it was I was setting myself up to receive it again. Um and and it was just the messiest like ugh stringiest stickiest set of gross bondage that you know I I found myself tangled in and it's like if you if you if you give it to her really 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 like you gotta give it to her you know it's like putting it in um in like Barney's bag like once it's in there like there's you just you just you can't be able to get it out it's like a black (laughs) hole you know if you if you go in to get it you're gonna lose yourself yeah so you have to be willing to send it on its way I mean, in line, this is more heady stuff, but to tap into Kali, I like to think about the ways – well, I like to wrap my brain around black holes and space and the way things twist, you know, with time and space, like in these – I always like combining um, science and myth anyways, because I think, you know, regardless if you think that Kali was an actual physical embodiment that walked the earth and destroyed this demon who had, you know, a a bloodseed army, regardless if you think that is true or not, you can still agree that space and time are something that exist in this realm you know what I mean like there's there's no it's not up for discussion it just is so then if you can take this perspective and think about how time can twist and how there's like these fucking wormholes and like you know we think that time only moves one way but like it definitely moves slower you know if you're out in space or you're like moving through light years, like the whole it I don't know It just, it makes me giggly because it's like kind of fantasy, but it's not actually fantasy. It's like the real fucking world that we're living in. And again, the ego illusion is like, well, if I don't understand it, if there's no proof, then it's not real. It's like, no, (laughs) you're so wrong. Imagine the most opposite you could ever think of. And then how could you perceive that as truth? Because that's what what Kali is.
0: Do you have any final thoughts? I won't be surprised if we revisit Kali again
1: yeah i know because i still feel like it wasn't i mean i would say it wasn't 10 out of 10 but there's there's so much more the if you were to distill Kali energy like regardless of her form and her myth story or anything like that she is the goddess of paradox so there is nothing that exists outside of you there is nothing that exists outside of her there is nothing that exists outside of space it is space or time right it is the only container that we know and it's fucking limitless and it's what you were born out of like they're like yeah the the nurturing mother i don't know It just it makes me like really happy and it just makes me feel like not like i have a friend but like there's no way you could ever really truly be alone because you're fucking one huh. with everything you know that's beautiful thanks um i think that's
0: everything yeah <laughs> it's like holy rage whatever no big deal it's so much to unpack it's so much to unpack it's beautiful
1: yeah so we'll just say this is Kali part like one a <laughs> and then there'll just be another another however many where i'll ramble about Kali. Oh, oh, wait! There was something though I had you had said something and it reminded me, and I know I've told you this story before. um okay, wait, Kali is mother, just just real quick, okay, when I think about Kali as the the terrifying mother force that acts out of rage but only to protect and to serve, okay, so I have this memory of my mom, and this was it this was in Yellowstone, this was on a vacation in the lovely camper that smells like juniper, and we we went with my cousins. Um, and my cousins so I have an aunt and uncle and then they had three boys at the time and so it was like you know like a, a very boy centric family and my uncle is like the manliest of men and like you know very much like strong guy and like has to play football super hard and like run the fastest and like all the things and so um he he took us swimming at off of this like swimming hole like river thing while my mom and my aunt were making us lunch like at the at the camp or at the cars like making us sandwiches and stuff so he took us, takes us swimming and so we're in the river like watering hole but there's a cliff there and so he my uncle jumps off the cliff and like dives into the water and then he asks his boys if his boys want to do it and the boys are like oh this yes. and the boys like jump off the cliff and I was terrified I did not want to be jumping off of a cliff because like I mean you could like hit your head and like you just don't know how deep the water is all of the things that is like definitely not safe to be doing this and then my sister jumps off the cliff but by then my mom and my aunt come walking from the car with our sandwiches sees the The like super irresponsible shenanigans that my uncle has put us up to and then my mom says from like the depths of her bowel and bellies and she's like get out (laughs) and she was like terror (laughs) like holy rage and terror you know like because she cared so much about us and we were so much in harm's way that she became this like just the opposite of benevolent yeah. and nurturing but yeah. only to protect us so that's my Kali as a mother story <laughs> in real life
0: time oh I love it so good
1: okay do you do you have anything else do you oh any I'm gonna do you be I'm full
0: of questions but it will be for Kali part 1b <laughs> okay but I feel complete okay. for today do you feel complete for today
1: I do. I feel Thank complete. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. You can find more from your sisters on Patreon. We've got four tiers of Shakti power to choose from with all sorts of Rebel Goddess Reclamation content, as well as our website, rebelgoddessreclamation.com, where you'll find seasonal events, circle leader mentorships, and drum birthing workshop circles. You can also support us individually with our solo endeavors. Sarah's website, theartofwildpleasure.com, is your go-to for all your Red Sisters offerings. Workshops, trainings, sacred menarche celebrations, mother roaster services, moon-blessed apothecary items like bath salts, candles, intention oils, and so much more. You can see what Sam, your dark sister, is up to at matmotives.com. Matt motives are chakra-based vinyl decals to use as focal points on your yoga mat, laptop, or wherever, serving as a reminder to rest your awareness on the qualities you want to cultivate. A third of all proceeds are donated to a nonprofit of your choosing at checkout. On the website, you can also find recorded breathwork practices, along with lots of other subtle yoga workshops and trainings. Thanks again, Wild Ones, for playing and working with the goddess right alongside us. Yes,
0: thank you.